Now, I don't want to kick a turd here, but um, I'm sorry, the farm terms come out sometimes. Um, Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Hey, everybody. I just want to let you know that now that I've been doing this show for a year, I'm really going to start paying attention to some of the really major details that go into podcasting. You know, maybe I just been overlooking those a little bit more than I should over the last year. So I'm really going to really start focusing because, you know, back when I was a pro podcaster, I wasn't the best podcaster. So they kind of had me off to the side a little bit. So I'll really start putting an effort into uh, being a better podcaster now. It's all about getting better, Rob. Just, you know, one day at a time, one year at a time. It's all about that. Uh, next, we have Dave uh, from Husk Guys. He's the captain of the offseason national championship team and the most followed Husker account. What's up, guys? Hey, I'm honored to be here. Pumped to be here. Uh, you know, as I said, my profile, my I wake up every day focused on trying to win an offseason national championship. And uh, we're well on our way. We uh, have absolutely no business being in uh, some of the rankings we're being in, but some folks are putting us at top two or top one in the uh, Big Ten, uh, even though we uh, you know, probably don't deserve to be there, but we're focused on hyping it up to get up to the top. 15-0 national champs, baby. Yeah, Redcast Rob isn't you know doing anything to try to uh, squelch any of that hype. And last but not least, he's the most empathetic, biased, realist Husker fan out there, Jim in Minnesota. Hey, Redcasters, happy to be here. I had a talk with my wife. She said, hey, what's going on tonight? I said, well, I'm going to be the opening act for uh, for Husk Guys. And she's like, what? So anyways, <laughs> I'm the uh, I'm the sideshow for this, uh, this this Redcast, but happy to be here and uh, excited to get this thing going. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you guys here, too. Uh, this is a, a lot of fun. that We have this great new platform that we're, we're working off of where we can have people on it. And uh, just a, a shameless promotion for ourselves. Uh, we want to promote that on Monday, March 7th at 2 p.m. Because uh, Rob loves to do afternoon shows. Uh, we will be talking with Brandon Vogel, a uh, managing editor at Hale Varsity. And uh, I guess since we're doing the plugs, Rob, how about uh, our Hale Varsity one? Well, uh, as everyone likes to know, we are uh, partnered up with Herdat and uh, Hale Varsity. And... You know, every month I receive a magazine that I just can't seem to find in front of me at the moment, um, <laughs> right delivered to my door. And it's great. It's got some great articles, keeps you up with all the latest Husker news. And if you go there and you subscribe, you can receive a $10 a discount on your first year by putting in Redcast as you check out. And while you're in there, feel free to visit the Hale Varsity slash Herdat store and buy all of your Redcast gear. As you can see right here, I got my hat on, and uh, we're going to be putting up some new stuff on there as well. So um, check it out. Keep your eye out for that, and uh, we'd love to uh, be able to send you some Redcast gear so then you could come up and tell us all how stupid we are for selling it in the first place when we uh, see you guys out there at all the games. Yeah, and I think for what it's worth, I think it's a 10% discount on Hale Varsity, not a $10 one. Oh, no, it's a $10 discount. I, Is it? I, oh, yeah, they, they sent me a f official email and everything oh. when I asked them. So. Well, I was – you know, Honky, you can leave the marketing to me if you'd like. I, I, I get paid in real life to do it, too. All right. <laughs> See how easy it is just to get through all that, that <laughs> housekeeping stuff right there, guys? I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you know what? Thank you. Having Thank Dave you on right now is appropriate because he's the offseason champ, and that's what we're in right now. We're in the middle of the offseason, and we're starting spring ball today. This is a new portion of the offseason here. But before we get into spring ball, I think it's important to just kind of highlight maybe at a very high level the last three, four months. A lot has changed. I mean, Husker fans, if you've you know thrown away every podcast and haven't listened or read to anything since you know the end of last season and you're just starting it up right now, boy, things look a lot different all of a sudden. The, the roster looks different. The coaching staff looks different. And people might even have those questions. Why didn't we make bigger changes than we did? And I just wanted to bring up this graph here. And this is, I think, a starting point to show everything that's happened over the last four months. And anyone that's been on social media last month or so, they've seen this graphic a number of times from CFB numbers and CFB data. Um, it Each dot is a simulation out of 5,000 simulations that show what Nebraska last season should have gone, how historic was 2021 for Nebraska. And basically looking at this, Nebraska had about an equal shot of going 11 and one as they did going four and eight based off of this, this graph here. And we ended up three and nine, as we've said a thousand times, we found every conceivable way to lose games, special teams and, and penalties and times and turnovers and things that killed us. And the whole point is how far away were we? How many changes needed to be made? And did we make the right changes to fix those issues? They're, they're legit issues. I don't ever want to say they're small. Special teams isn't small. Dave, I'm going to start with you here. As you start to read today and watch the videos from spring ball, we're now in that process to fix what was on that graph. All those things that kept us losing these close games in just heartbreaking fashion, we have fixed. We've totally fixed, right? I mean, they're 100% fixed, <laughs> right? Zero issues. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think, look, there's a ton of optimism coming into it, I think, because mm -hmm. of um, how well he hired. I think, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it, you know, no disrespect to the previous coaches, but it, it feels like we've got like adults in the room, right? Like Whipple's been coaching for years. Mickey Joseph is one of the best recruiters in all of football. Uh, he, he alone, I think, has buoyed some of this offseason hype of like what his capabilities are, what he did at LSU with Jamar Chase, you know, and look what Jamar Chase did in the playoffs. It's unbelievable what he did by picking him from a three star and turning him into what he was. So, you know, I think with with a lot of the coaching additions alone, you feel like, wow, OK, we've got some real experience guys who are bringing in, you know, big time transfers, you know, Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, a lot of the other guys that are coming in. So, you know, I think in that regard, just having those coaches there makes everybody feel pretty good. You know, I think he's had basically the UCF guys for the last four years and they were great. They worked hard. We really liked them as people, but now we've got, you know, seasoned experienced guys, Whipple, who just had a Heisman, you know, candidate, you got, you know, everything that I said about Mickey Joseph. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that the, the coaches alone are bringing a lot of that optimism, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, Jim, nine single-digit losses, eight one-score losses. We put up 239 points in the Big Ten and we gave up 239 points. Normally, you're going 500, maybe, you know, five and four, six and three with those kind of stats, and we went one and eight. Uh, in the history of the college football since the poll era began in the 30s, there have been four teams that haven't won more than 25% of their their games yet had a positive point differential we had the largest point differential of all four of them and one of them's arkansas from like 1939 this doesn't when i say historic that's what i'm talking about as you see what you watch today do you feel like we've made the right steps 
Did we do the right things and not not blowing everything up in October when it made a lot of sense? A lot of people out there, I still talk to people that are like, hey, you're three and six, three and eight, three and nine. You should be firing people. When you see what you're seeing there today, are you glad that Trev didn't go that route? You know, I think we all finished the season off the way we did. I think there was that period of time where any Nebraska fan, even Huskies, who's always, you know, the, the optimal positive guys, thinking, is this going to work? Are we going to actually you know, be able to figure out how to close these games out? And I I think as time has, has gone by, we've seen that – I think as I reflect back, I think most of the problems we're having that with Nebraska's football team is, is more mental than it is physical. I think we've all heard that. But mm-hmm. we're there physically – and I think the mental part, and Huskies and Dave talked about this, but I think what you saw today, to answer your question, is you saw the excitement that we've heard the last couple months through signing day through various press conferences. But there's an excitement level, even from Trev Alberts. You can, you can hear him talk last Thursday. And there is a definite um, observation, I think, from players and coaches alike that there was change made and it was made for the betterment of the team. And I think Ramir Johnson talked about that today, in fact, and, and how is, you know, unfortunate to see coaches leave, but this new energy and this new excitement and quite frankly, just something different, right? It wasn't anything that the other guys, they weren't bad coaches, right? But, but this new group of players, I mean, we were talking about an influx of players, uh, 18 new faces that are, they don't know about last year. Maybe they know about the losses, but, you know, their mind is like, hey, we were this close, or they were this close. I want to be part of this operation that gets over that hump. And when you have that that synergy with the new coaches and the new players that that have this mindset, I, I think it's I think it's good for the program overall. I mean, they don't, they don't know any different, right? They weren't here last year. Um, so yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's good to see um, again both players and coaches have this this excitement, this buzz, and. And it's difficult. There's a little bit of a learning curve, and there's going to be things that are challenging. They don't have the, you know, the ease of the, uh, you know, knowing the playbook that they're like at the back of their hands. I mean, this is a new, a new uh, coaching staff, new place. So, mm-hmm. but overall, yeah, I think I think there's definitely some excitement that you can tell from the top, from Travers all the way down to to the Ramir Johnson's the world that see that see change and see mm-hmm. some hope. And I think that's going to be important to get them through this these 15 practices. I think they're to jump in on that too. I think that there's like, there isn't a single Nebraska fan or otherwise. I mean, there's plenty of trolls on Twitter, but most all, I would 90% plus want Scott Frost to succeed. And I think that there was a big piece of that, that as it went to the off season and everyone who's like, God, three and nine, that was like the hardest season we've ever lived through, but we all wanted him so bad to succeed that when you're looking at who the alternative is, you know, Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell, like some of these other guys that, you know, would they have done better? I don't know. But at the same time, like every there's such an emotional investment in Scott Frost that I think people are willing to give that added leash as long as he's able to bring in folks who can finish, who can close games, who can get us to that over the hump and, you know, pay attention to the things that for whatever reason he hasn't been special teams finishing, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff that Jim was just saying. So, you know, I think that was a big part of why people are relieved we didn't blow it all up because then you're looking at five-year rebuild. I mean, then it's mm-hmm. – which – you know, that's no fun. So, I, I just jump in there real quick. I'm sorry. Dave, would you think that, you know, with, with that being said, I think there's also things we thought with Frost we wanted him to do differently. Like, why can't he do X? Why can't he do Y? It's so obvious to us as fans, like, you know, going back to, you know, recruiting in Omaha, like, why couldn't that have been a priority four years ago? And what we're seeing now is some of those questions we had 
as fans that seemed you know obvious to us as fans um, are now being addressed. And, and whether that's the influence of Trav Alberts or whether that's the influence of you know uh, Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph, but I think we're seeing a lot of these things addressed. And I think Frost has seen what what he wanted to address, which we can get into later, the offensive line and and seeing it play a way that he wanted them to play to operate a run game that he was he knew could work, but wasn't working the way he you know, he thought it should. And, and, you know, it's one game once one practice in, but, you know, there was a lot of buzz around just that. Right. And, and so I think there's, I think from a fan standpoint, we're seeing things that we wanted to be addressed are being addressed. Should it be addressed in 2019? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, they're finally getting done. And I think, you know, again, we haven't played a game yet, but at least a lot of those questions in our mind are, are being answered now, I think. And that definitely helps to go back to your question, honky. It helps, us as fans buy into this fifth year. He's showing maturity and being willing to change. Rob? Rob? Yeah. And one of the things that, that I think I saw a great comment tonight and I cannot remember where for the life of me I saw it. I was looking for it on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere else, but I did see someone say that the, I think the right approach to take as a fan this year um, outside of, you know, trolling all Husker fans on Twitter would be, to look at this almost like year one, right? But but year one where he's walking into an ideal situation, again, with the recruits that he wants, with the people in place uh, in the coaching positions that, that he ultimately wants. And I think that initially with the first four years, he just – he brought in guys that it, everywhere it worked for him in the past. And I think that he was kind of blindsided because he wanted to continue to use that system and have faith in those guys because that's to be kind of the guy that he is. But, you know, now at this point, it feels like he's kind of letting go of the reins a little bit more. He's going to sit up on his high horse and let other people drive the carriage, I think. And it just gets that feeling. I mean, he even said today where the nice part about having Whipple around is that now he can pay a little bit more attention to the defense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that's huge because the defense is already good. Um, But, but now he's, and then I honestly, at this point think he's just trolling people with the, with the special team stuff. I, you know, it's like where he's, where he's saying like, Oh, you know, now, now I can really start paying attention to special teams because I was a special teams player. I, I can't believe that, that it hasn't been something that's important to him, but I also think that maybe he was, he's been really good about not putting the blame in other places. And, and I do think that special teams this year is going to come in a whole lot different than it has what we've seen over the last few years. The utmost confidence in Bush. And I mean, we've gone over his stats as the special teams coordinator at this school from 2005 to 2007. We were, we were, we were, (laughs) <laughs> routinely in the top 20, top 25, and a lot of different special team stats. Punting, kicking, kickoff returns. We were one leading block. Uh, we blocked it as many as, as about anybody in the country. During it's like top time. 10 so, or top 15 in, yeah, in a lot of so those categories. That doesn't guarantee anything, right? I mean, we could go out and be the worst special teams unit. Nothing is guaranteed by this. But um, the other coaches is, are buying into it, though, Honky. Like, I, Joseph, I mean, even Joseph has said, right? Like, where he, Joseph is like, you want to play wide receiver for me? You're playing in special teams. I mean, yep. that's like there's no argu- there's no arguments about what I'm getting at is that there's no guarantees that any of this will work. Just like there's no guarantee that if we would have 
fired everybody and started over from scratch and added to our number two in the country largest dead money pool that we paid over the last since 2010, only behind Auburn, 24 million I think we had. We could have added 18 million if we wanted to get rid of Hoiberg right right now. And and I don't blame Trev one bit for how he's handled these first six, seven, eight months that he's been in there. And if if anything, the last 12 years has shown Husker fans is that starting over again, that's no guarantee of success either. I, I think the reason I showed that graph at the beginning of how close we were to win those games is that when somebody when somebody hears what you said, Rob, that you know this is like year one, there's going to be a, a certain number of fans out there, and I'm not – rightfully so, they're going to be pissed when they hear that. Are you kidding me? This isn't year one. This is year five. Because I was that guy saying that about Riley in year three when you bring in Diaco, and it's, it's just like year one again. No, it's not. This is year three. What I would say, there is a clear difference, though, in where the trajectory of the program was at the end of Riley's year two when all those changes were being made. And I think the trajectory of the program right now and just how competitive we are, we just got to get over a hump. There wasn't, there wasn't a hump big enough. <laughs> the hump was huge where we were going under Riley. Right now, we, we are literally losing games by three and four points, and you got to find a way to get those, get those three or four points and not give up the three or four through special teams and through some of the, the turnovers. So let's talk spring ball. This is well, our chance now. And that's great too, because this is a good, good way, Honky. I know I'm going to be looking through some of the comments that we're getting. Oh yeah, do we get Facebook some questions? Yet? Yeah, and Casey Lowry on on uh, Facebook um, has commented that he agrees that there does seem to be change in attitude, but every spring brings optimism, and then reality sets in. So why don't <laughs> you guys answer that, and we'll leave Casey's face up there so people can go to his Facebook page, which is probably public, and you know, yell at him a little bit too. Just kidding, Dave, Casey. Dave, this is, a, this is a question custom built for you, Dave. I mean, look, I think you just got to enjoy the, the wave, right? Like, I, I think that there's – people are just so down on this stuff, right? It's like, oh, man, like, wait till September before you say a word. Like, well, how do you live your life like that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like why, why don't you just enjoy the spring and see – like, enjoy the development of the players and all the new players and see what they can do? You know, I think that there's – we've gotten so many new good players that have come in that I think we're going to you know, transition to talking about that. You know, I, I get it. Like I get that there's a certain doubt that exists, but I think my, my answer back would be to have, have fun with it. See what you can do in the spring, get excited about it. Like feel that passion, like build back up. And then, you know, when September hits, it hits. But fun. Have fun? <laughs> fun. Exactly. Jim, can you help me out here? What's that? Can word you define that word, please? Yeah. We were talking well, about before, yeah. before recording, right, Jim? I mean, it's feels like a long right time now. we had fun, yeah, and it's been a long time, hasn't it? Probably at least uh, five or six years. But no, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree 100 with with uh, with Dave. Um, I mean, why else would you be a fan if you're not going to allow yourself to even have a little hint of excitement in in seeing your team hopefully get better, right, and bring in some new pieces? I mean, I, I think um, we all probably saw the highlights. Every play of Casey Thompson, it's hard not to get excited about that. I mean, he looks like a prolific passer. And it's you gotta as a fan imagine that in an offense that's got some different weapons and and say, Yeah, I'm I can get behind that for sure. It's it could be a heck of a lot worse, right? I mean, we saw a chance for a market and there's not a lot of quarterbacks that out there that that would be quite frankly would be exciting to have in, you know, Husker uniform. And um we got two of them. So I would say Casey allow yourself to go there a little bit and yeah, I mean <laughs> losses can definitely pile up and those things can hurt. But I mean, 
get fired up, man. It's going to be another, another, another good season. I think that around the corner here. Well, Jeremy Brandt is also asking when we, <laughs> at what point do we start buying tickets for the playoffs? Hey, Jeremy, I just want to let you know, I've already got an Airbnb reserved for that weekend in Los Angeles. Um, we'll be staying in a nice upstart neighborhood. Um, I think it was called Compton. It's right next to Inglewood. Um, it is a four bedroom house. It sleeps 22 and we will be uh, at the game live watching the Huskers win their first national championship since the nineties. So it's going to be fantastic. So that's, that's Vegas Jerry right there. So, uh, Oh, well, Vegas Jerry. you can, you can bet on it then Vegas Jerry. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas, Vegas Jerry has been on fire on Twitter lately. He's been firing them out. Yeah. He's, you know he's, why? Good, he's, he's good from people. Minnesota. That's why. Of course. That's right. <laughs> I think that, that, I mean, I, I guess like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a more fun and let yourself like get excited by it. Like I know we're facetiously talking about the playoffs, but like, I, I think we're going to win the big 10 until we mathematically can't anymore. Right. Like, well, why not have, why not have that level of optimism? No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm on board with you guys this year. You can see my Twitter handle. It says 15 and 0 natty champs. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Jason, Jason Stanger here said, when you look at the roster, we're stacked with sophomore players, 27 sophomores, 17 juniors, eight seniors. We're a young team. I'm going to take that one first because I will say this. When I talked with Kevin Williams um, a couple weeks ago, he actually pointed that out about how young this team is. But he also talked about how hungry these guys are. And a lot of these guys have a year experience where um, maybe in other programs they wouldn't have gotten that experience. So they're coming back stronger. They're coming back faster. One example would be Yant. Even Frost talked about him today, um, just mm -hmm. kind of really putting in the work in the offseason. Um and I pointed it out, I think, in a show maybe three or four weeks ago about how young this team is. And and uh, I think we were talking about it, but I, I like it because what it shows is that Frost is starting to really build the program into his vision. And a lot of the older guys that weren't his recruits necessarily, but gave 120 percent every single week are now, you know, moving on either to the next level or to other programs. And, you know, that for me, that's that's kind of the optimism that I see with, with the team being young. I always want to clarify, though, with the young part is that when you throw COVID years into this, it starts to screw kind of screw around with your numbers a little bit. 27 sophomores, you could be talking about guys in their fourth year. Garrett Nelson's a junior, but he's going into year five. Right. And again, it's not just I don't want to get into a fight about is it young or not. I think it's it's fair assessment to say that we're inexperienced at some positions and you want to get old. That's the old fashioned coaches, you know, coaching saying is that you want to get old. On the old line, you want to get old. Every time you play Iowa or Wisconsin, it seemed like you had four, you know, seniors. Every on time, it, right? And uh, you know, when I think of the pipeline, and I mean the pipeline at Nebraska, I always go to 1994. That's that's the year of the pipeline, and that's Joel Wilkes, and that's Rob Zaska, and that's you know Stai, and that's Weegert. You know, four guys that are basically fifth year seniors, and it's Aaron Graham, a fourth year junior at center. I mean, that's how you. That's your. That's where it's great, right? And then you're getting some backups in there and they play the next year and, and you move on from that. Um, that's hopefully, obviously we're getting to that point, but transfer portals change things too. About the second you think you're getting old, then you have 10 guys leave and 10 guys come in. Um, the transfer portal has a chance also to give you some depth at a position where I normally I'm not feeling good at quarterback. If I'm losing a four year starter who is, you know, tops on a lot of the all time record charts at Nebraska for yards and touchdowns and all that, you normally wouldn't feel very good about it until you get the guy that comes from Texas who put up seven touchdowns against Kansas, all seven in a loss, 
who puts up five touchdowns against Oklahoma in the Red River shootout in a loss because their defense can't keep a team under 50. I mean, that makes you feel better. If, if Chubba Purdy comes in and he can provide depth and you've got Logan Smothers and you have Heinrich and, and you have a competition going, you know, that starts to feel pretty good there. Uh, Rob, uh, anything else from uh, right now, the comments before we move on to the spring ball? No. So let's, let's talk a little bit about spring ball and then we can, um, if there are more comments, we'll come back to okay. here. In a well, little bit. I'll start then here. So we'll go with the roster management. We always do that. And that's going to lead into, uh, into uh, the actual practice and everything today. So since we talked last on the Redcast, uh, outside linebacker Darius Payne, he re-entered the transfer portal. So he went in in December, came back, and then he went back, went back in. And then so did wide receiver Will Nixon. And uh, as we will as we will talk about, that is a position of a lot of depth right now. Wide receiver. I mean, it'd be easy to be, you know, kind of just stuck on the list there. Um, and then as far as the recruiting class goes, no major changes since last week. Uh, we have Denner Gosh Ludge, White Boodle, Benjamin Brommer, Sam Sledge, and then William Watson was the quarterback that that uh, joined the, the recruiting class last week as we, right as we were recording. And then the highlight, and I think you mentioned it earlier, Jim, about uh, just recruiting in Omaha. It's the in-state recruit. And when you look at this, these stats right now, or these, these kids here, I mean, in 2023, we have already put out five in-state offers. Three of them have committed, Gotchula, Brommer, and Sledge. We also have uh, Malachi Coleman and Maverick Noonan uh, that have offers. We have three kids in state that are three stars that don't have offers yet, but but soon could be from Nebraska. Um, uh, Brock Knudsen, Benny Nagoy, and then Zane Flores is the quarterback from Gretna, who I don't, you know, right now, I don't know. It doesn't look great that he'd probably be getting an offer, but he has, you know, offers right now from K State and Oklahoma State. There's definitely talent in this state, and uh, and then 2024, we're already out there on three kids: Devon Hall, Caleb Benning, Daniel Kalen. And 2025, Christian Jones and Tyson Terry. Tyson Terry's a freshman that won the the heavyweight wrestling championship the first time since I believe 1971. I think was the stat that that that's happened in state. And uh, I guess as we look at this. You brought it up earlier, Jim. I want to go back to you. How important is that? So, again, we're getting hyped, right? I mean, we're feeling good. The, but why is this any different than before? Why is this any different than what, you know, Frost, why do you make all those changes? What are you seeing when you see those kind of stats right now that we're going after this amount of kids? And why is that important? And, and why do you think that they're making a difference? Well, it's a good question. I think because you look at the the, the past – uh, four, you know, four years since Frost has been here. We've recruited a number of kids from Nebraska, right? Even a number of kids mm-hmm. from Omaha. He's done a good job, you know, aside from this last class of getting kids from Omaha. But I think what you're seeing now is an actual overall strategy to recruit these kids. I think we assumed because Frost and Rude were from Nebraska, they would know how to recruit Nebraska and there would be an emphasis on these, on these kids. And so you're seeing now an actual strategy to target these kids along with um oh, that's me clicking or somebody else or, i think that's uh, dave i think you're clicking dave. it's picking oh. up the microphone there so that's right. now. but <laughs> i think you see it um two things i think you see the actual talent in nebraska i think is the best i heard since 2008 the hmm. number of three and four star players so you're seeing this development and whether it's the, you know, the um, Steve Warren academies, whether it's the private trainers, mm-hmm. whether it's the spring football leagues, but you're seeing a, a kind of like Iowa has seen over the last couple of years, a, a swell of talent within Nebraska. So it's good timing. It's good timing to actually get serious about 
know, bringing your entire coaching staff to Lincoln, bring your entire coaching staff to Omaha and let these coaches know that, Hey, you're a priority, not just the kids in Florida, the kids in Georgia. I have a kids question for you. Priority. Yeah. Jim, is that the chicken and the egg? Do we have more talent in state right now? Or is it also that once you start to put an emphasis on an area, so I'm talking start start five, six years ago, Jalen Bradley from Bellevue West, right? I mean, you go you start to get coaches coming into your school and now they they they're recruiting one kid, but then there's a junior and there's always a sophomore and you start recruiting's a relationship business, right? Hey, I get to know that head coach and that head coach says, Hey, I've got a freshman who hasn't played yet, but come back, right? And all of a sudden you start seeing there's certain schools that have had repeat customers. Do they have more talent? than they've ever had before? Or is it simply a combination of they have talent and people are actually seeing them and coming to see them? Well, I, th- I think, I mean, like, I think you look at the other teams that are offering our kids, right? Before it was just a, a handful of regional mm-hmm. schools, the Kansas States, you know, every once in a while, I mean, Iowa, of course, would be in here. But but now you're seeing the last five years, you're seeing Oklahoma in here now. You're mm-hmm. seeing, obviously, Minnesota's had a huge presence and they're trying to desperately get a kid from Nebraska. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, Oregon, now. Oregon, right. Oregon's been yeah. in here. Um, and so you, you're, you're seeing other schools say, Hey, there's talent in Nebraska and not just the kids that, um, are going to Wyoming and South Dakota States and so forth, but actual power five talent. And so, uh, maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know the exact, I mean, here's the thing. I'll let's be honest with you. I think back in the Frank Solis years, I was the guy complaining about we're getting too many kids in Nebraska. Right. I mean, there was, yeah. There was definitely a time where it seemed like we didn't have enough balance outside of Nebraska. So I, I think it comes and goes, but overall, I like the strategy. I like the emphasis. I think that the one thing that I would get really pissed off about was you'd hear kids say, I want to be recruited like the kid from Florida. I want to be this. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I'm an hour from Lincoln, but I want to, I want them to, I want to feel like, you know, that I'm in Florida. I want to feel like I'm the kid in council bluffs that they got last year. I want to feel what it feels like to be recruited just like them. And I think there probably was a little bit of an emphasis of like, Hey, they're from Nebraska. You know, it's not, they want to come here type thing and you can't have that mindset. And so mm-hmm. um, I think you're seeing that transition, but you know, I, I don't know the exact answer to that question, honky. I think there's probably a little bit of both in there and, and sure. um, you guys, you, you live there. So, and, and I'm Dave as well. I don't know if that's, what you guys have seen, but just from an outsider standpoint, I think there's definitely an emphasis on the strategy. And then obviously there's def- I think there's talent increase for sure. I mean, you look at the, the star rankings and so forth. I mean, there's definitely an increase. Hmm. Well, you know, we, uh, I like the, uh, the Facebook uh, thumbs up and down for some reason we have an angry emotion emoji that came in and it's from Mike Marty honky. And I know them, so I'm not sure what they're mad about. I don't know what we said to piss them off, but uh but if you like what we're doing, uh, give us a give us a thumbs up, give us a smiley face or whatever, and uh, we'll keep moving on here. But isn't that uh, isn't that your mom and dad? That monkey? is that is correct. Uh, yeah, uh, that's Rob. You're in trouble, young man. Yeah, Rob. Uh, Jason Stinger here says, "I noticed Gabriel Murphy has pinned the tweet about his Nebraska offer. Hopefully, that's a good sign." Hopefully yeah, it, yeah. It looks like uh, I, I I checked it out on Twitter, and, and it is in fact his uh, pin tweet, and it, it's twins. Apparently, they're they're a package, and they're coming out of North Texas from the transfer portal. So um, it'd be interesting. I mean, you know, that's that's one area, right, where people were saying we weren't weren't having enough emphasis uh, as far as like off season recruiting, and even out of the transfer portal, people wanted to see more guys on the defense, right, to make up for some of the areas that we lost. So, I mean. 
if in fact that's the case i mean that's a good thing right although i don't know they're not here in spring honky so i don't know if i can support them yet until they're actually on campus because as i said if they're not in spring ball they're dead to me so yeah yeah, yeah. well let's talk about the guys who are in spring ball let's we're gonna start off and rob you want to take that uh comment off there so we oh, go yeah. to the jersey numbers here and you can look over the jersey numbers for the new kids and guys like Blaine gunderson have uh have uh, changed their numbers, but in addition to them, there are some players that are outer limited right now. Quarterback Richard Torres, running back uh, Gabe Irvin's limited, tight ends Volkluk, Chancellor Brewington, offensive lineman uh, Prochaska, Corcoran, defensive line Casey Rogers, a couple linebackers Snodgrass and Reimers, and defensive back Omar Brown, who's the, the transfer from uh, Northern Iowa. Um, just kind of gives you an idea of what the roster is looking like right now and who's actually available to practice and everything. What number is Casey Thompson? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I, I didn't see that. It wasn't on the uh, wasn't on the screenshot. No, I'm actually that I grabbed curious. A couple days ago. Got to sell some of those jerseys. Hey, if anyone knows what number Casey Thompson was, that's listening. Uh, feel free to throw that comment out to us as well. But um, you know, basically, let's start with the offense. Let's start on the offensive side here. And here's some tweets I grabbed from today, and I think they're just interesting ones in general because they kind of give you an idea of of maybe the direction that we're going in. So Mark Whipple, he said that Casey Thompson's the number one guy right now in the quarterback room, and that could change tomorrow. Uh, Garrett Nelson talking about the quarterback says they're still fast. Maybe I'm just slow, but he's referring to them, you know, how the, the quarterback position hasn't lost a step just because Martinez isn't here. Running back, Amir Johnson describes the new offensive coaching staff as energetic. That's what we needed. And Parker Gabriel writes how Frost said he was impressed with the way the offensive line came off the ball today. He also spent a good chunk of practice talking about the young, guy, the young group on offense. But the one I want to highlight first is inside linebacker Nick Henrik talking about how NU's offense is a little different. One change is a lot of the downhill running game. He highlighted that. We're having a downhill running game. And when Frost was asked about that, this was his response. No. Uh, if he noticed a difference, I think it, it, it's a probably a compliment to the guys up front and the guys coaching the guys up front. Um, the schemes weren't different. Um, hopefully they felt a little different to the defense. Now, Rob, when I hear that, what I think about is the, the video or the interview you did a couple weeks ago with Kevin Williams. And Williams, you asked him about that, about, you know, what do you think the changes could be with Riola and everything? And, and I just want to play for a second what that was. A lot of points on the board and playing physical. You know, win, lose, or draw, they're going to feel us in the morning, especially up front. We're coming off the ball. We're running at you. We're here to, you know, be aggressive. We're here to compete. It's going to be a fight all day, all long, all night, you know, so – that's really intent, and that's what I love about Rayola. Uh, even with his technique he's teaching, you got to be in shape. You know, everything is – you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. We got to run. Everything's running. Uh, there's no choppy steps, and uh, it's physical. It's physical football, hard-nosed, old-school football, and that's what I love. That's what I fell in love with watching as a kid, and that's what I kind of was naturally doing when I would play and I had to kind of go revert back to other habits of technique. So going back to, like, what you kind of know naturally feels a lot better, and I think a lot of guys in the room like it too. That became a theme of today was it's physical, the offensive line's coming off the ball, and the way that Kevin talked about it back then, too, was that this style that, that Rayola is bringing, is it gap blocking, is it man blocking, is it different from zone? I, you know, look, there are great zone blocking teams out there. I, I, I'm not here to pick and choose one style. I, I just know that we're going to move people. Bob Sledge, Sam Sledge's uh, dad and former player here, Bob Sledge talked about how every drill that Rayola, Rayola does goes 10 yards because we're going to move people. All right, Dave, let's start with you here. 
you've been watching stuff today, you've been reading stuff today, you get this impression that there's physical approach to the to the game seems to be part of this. It's not just some, you know, fancy pass happy offense here. What what does that make you feel like when you start to read that and see that? And and you know, is that is this real or or is this just talk? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 hilarious because it's like day one of spring football, and now we're already like the offense is like so much better. <laughs> uh, but I do, I, you know, I think what I get. I like the depth that we have at a lot of different positions on offense, mm-hmm. right? So like on the running back side, you know, we had a ton of depth last year and we worked through it all. So I think it's good. We have it this year. He, he talked a lot. Frost talked a lot about, yeah, he called him jock. So I gotta be like in with jock, right. Or, um, <laughs> that he's like, he's growing up and maturing. And so like, I, I love Yant. I've been a huge Yant guy. Like that Northwestern game is life-changing. I thought that was phenomenal. So between Yant and Ramir and Grant and Gabe Irvin, you know, AJ Allen's step, if he steps up, you know, I I think we've got some great depth there. And if the line can be coached to that level, um, you know, by Rayola, I think that's phenomenal. I do think there's a lot more talent on the O-line than, you know, people give it credit for. I think everyone kind of freaked out that all we were doing is stockpiling quarterbacks and wide receivers. But, you know, I I think there's, I think there's a plenty, ton of talent there. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also like, I guess the, the other piece of it, well, the other tweet that like really stuck out today that I'm sure we're going to get to, but the Casey Thompson from, from Whipple, I thought was mm-hmm. huge, right? Like for him to just say, Casey Thompson's our guy when there was three months of like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And he just is like, he's the best. Mm-hmm. I think it you know reaffirms a lot of that. I think I've, you know, I think he's one of the best passers in the country. And I think it's phenomenal that we got him. I think it says a ton about Whipple. I think it says a ton about our offense and the trust that Casey Thompson would have to leave Texas to come here. Um, that probably like single-handedly got me the most you know, optimistic for it because, you know, I think as we've talked about before, come, you know, Logan Smothers, who did a great job in the Iowa game in that fourth quarter, as they started to take away a lot of the option, you know, the option game, we saw a lot of like, uh Oh, you know, I don't know if he can throw over the top and Casey Thompson can, he can throw the deep ball. He can throw the slant. You know, he's got a quick release. He knows the offense. He's experienced. He can come in and play right away. So, you know, I think between the depth at, at, at white, you know, wide receiver running back and, and QB, I feel I feel really good about you know mm-hmm. where that's well, going. You know, Whipple made the statement today too, where he goes, James, that can change tomorrow, right? It, it can change tomorrow that we're getting guys now on film. This is the first chance they're going to start to see their own film. But he also mentioned how, you know, Thompson's not brand new here in Nebraska. He's been here for a couple months now, and what they've been doing in the offseason up to this point individual quarterbacks were giving their stats and, and keeping them up to date. He can't be watching certain things, but they can still be giving him, you know, uh, up-to-date stats. And Rob, you've mentioned in the past how, how many catches these receivers are going to catch from their quarterbacks before they ever step on the field today. So when somebody says, Oh my gosh, how, you know, there's no, there's no competition. They've already given it to Thompson. What's wrong. And I've read that today. I've read angry Husker fans that were already saying that, uh, you know, how can they just give them the, the starting spot already? Well, up until this point, He's the starter based off of what they, the credentials or, or whatever they needed to see up to now. And now it's the next phase. And look, I have no doubt in my mind, if Thompson goes out there and incompletes the next 30 passes and, and throws a bunch of interceptions and fumbles the ball, he won't be the starter. He's not going to do that, though. Yeah, that's there's the thing, right? And I mean, let's be performance honest. Performance will matter. <laughs> yeah, let, let's be honest. 
of that roster, who has the most experience playing in in games right now? I mean, at, at the Division One level in a Power Five conference, like yeah, who? Why, why go after Thompson if you had a bunch of experience? I mean, it, if it wasn't assumed that he was going to be our starter when they brought him in by your by you, and when I say you, I mean whoever it was commenting negative about how can you make him your starter. I think you need to do some like inner searching on your uh, like soul searching or something to to truly understand like why it is that you have all this pent up negativity about anything that happens with this program. And I'm being a hundred percent honest because if they brought in Casey, the day they brought in Casey Thompson, they, they could have put out the depth chart and put him at number one. There, there was no doubt in my mind. There was no doubt in your mind, honky Dave, well, I'm guessing, I mean, I, I follow you on Twitter. No way in your mind, Mr. Minnesota over here. I know you, feel the same way too. I mean, there's absolutely no way as a Husker fan that you can bring in Casey Thompson and not think to yourself, he's going to be our starter day one. It's his position to lose regardless of what they told Kurt. He's a program. He's a, yeah, he's a program changing QB. I think, I think, yeah, he's, yeah, I think he's, he's phenomenal. His talent is unbelievable. He's going to set a standard. That's why we're looking at year one. Year one of frost is going to be the best year. There was also, I mean, there was, there was no, I, there was no bigger fan and bigger supporter of Adrian than, than I was, right? I was like the biggest backer. And I, I, I fully believed until literally like the last game that I was like, he's going to turn it around and he just never did. But <laughs> his thing about his like shortcomings, right? Like the second that he hurt his ankle and the second that anytime he's like, his leg gets hurt, it, it, it was done. Right. Um, and, you know, so all of a sudden, if you get that elite level passing with the downhill running game that you're talking about, Honky, I think that's where you start to get excited. And they're like, we haven't even somehow we haven't even talked about the wide receivers. I mean, then you start talking yeah. about Trey Palmer, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, the coldest, Alante Brown, you know, Fedone, if he starts to like, you know, if he's able to be healthy vocal, like, like he's got guys to throw to. Mm-hmm. I The biggest thing that I want and I don't have nothing has changed in my mind from the second that we got Thompson to today and it, nothing's going to change moving forward. I want competition. I, I don't want anything given to anyone. I want competition and Purdy, you know, came to Nebraska after Thompson. So he came here, you know, he, you know, he's not just going to sit there and, and sit on his hands and, and say, yeah, it's someone else's position. So I want competition with good players compete and, the, and let the best, let the best guy win out of that. I like the fact that we still have quarterbacks that have mobility that was a concern of mine a little bit when we first got Whipple because as we started to find out here today too, I truly believe this is supposed to be a combination of the best things that Frost offense did with the things that Whipple can bring, which by the way, were probably some of the worst things that we did. Some of our yeah. passing game was the worst thing, but some of the running game that we had, which includes quarterback mobility still. I mean, I don't know that we're going to be running as many options and stuff. And we've said that in the past. I, I love mobile quarterbacks and yet we don't need our quarterback running 15 to 20 times a game. That's not helpful. But mobility at quarterback with a, a passing scheme like Whipple's going to bring in here and the running game that, you know, the, the, the line being more aggressive now and the running game coming behind it. I mean, that's a good start. Jim, I've, I'll just, I'm open-ended to you right now. Offensively, we just <laughs> talked about the quarterbacks there. And, that, you know, and as Dave was saying, the, the, the wide receiver depth, the running back depth. I mean, where are you feeling right now offensively through one day of spring ball? <laughs> one day in. So, yeah, I think there's one a – I, I think that the, the key key part for me was I guess the the you know Frost and Whipple did essentially clarify or verify the thought that we had a few weeks ago that it's going to be a blend of uh, Frost's running game with a you know uh, I guess a new offensive line philosophy up front right I think the one he always wanted 
Um, it was trying to get out of Greg Austin, right. And trying to get out of those offensive linemen, but paired that with the pro passing um, philosophies of Whipple. And so, you know, if, if in fact, you know, Rayla can get those guys up front to, to block the way that, that Frost wants to. And again, it's one, one, one practice in, but it sounds like that's what he's seeing. I think Frost said it, you know, Henrich said it. Um, yeah, I think the offensive line said it as well. So, I think that sounds good. I think you looked at 2018, right? The one thing we did well in 2018 is we ran inside zone really well. That was Frost's best offensive line, right? He had Tanner mm-hmm. Farmer. He had Foster. He had his best line. And we were able to run a good running back. I, I mean, he's obviously in the NFL right now, Zigbo, but we ran inside zone a ton. And that was very successful. We haven't done that since 2014. So if we can, if you can do that and have a basic run game, a, a downhill run game, I think as, uh, mm-hmm. was it Henry who said that today? I mean, if you can do that, then you can basically build off of that with your two tight end sets. You're, you know, you got mm-hmm. a bunch of receivers. Dave mentioned uh, that that have come in now, um, so I like that. But the one thing I, that I like today from Frost that he mentioned was that he saw an attitude, he saw an energy in a, in a different um, bite, for lack of a better term. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you know, I think we've heard the last four years the defense was the one that was out there barking the one that would you know get up and talk in the offensive face and there wasn't a whole lot of pushback from the offense it wasn't that wasn't that that yard dog if you will that that would you know stand up to these guys and i i think that's been missing i love adrian just like dave said but i think adrian at times is a little bit too nice i think i saw him yell at his alignment one time in four years you know and so i I hope that you know with that Again, it's one day, but I hope that there is some some attitude, some you know, to use a Whipple term, uh, you know, some prickness there, right? Someone that's going to get nasty, and 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 I hope that aggressive line play that that Rail is bringing in creates that nastiness that Frost wanted last year. He talked about that last mm-hmm. year. I want someone's going to be nasty, you know, well, and Jim. I want offensive line that's going to be nasty. I haven't seen that, so for me, that's my biggest thing is I want to see an attitude in the offense. Okay, so let's have that attitude. Tell me a little bit about what you were hearing beforehand with Applewhite talking about the bell cow. How important is it to have that bell cow running back? Or what was his take on that right now? Again, yeah, day so one the question was about, you know, if, if, do you want a bell cow or do you, if you have a bell cow by the end of this of, of spring, is that a good thing? Or, or how do you view that? And he said, you know, essentially, if that is the case and there ends up being one bell cow, then I haven't done my job to develop, you know, the rest of the guys because you're going to need three guys in the Big Ten. You're, it's just the fact of – the physicality of this league. You can't just go, April, got the bell cow, we're good. You know, it's go ahead and roll into, you know, fall camp with, you know, with uh, whoever it is. You're going to have to have a number of guys. I mean, here in Minnesota, you guys saw, I mean, we had the fourth, the third and fourth running backs run for 100 yards against us because the first uh, two guys got hurt. So you're, you're going to have to have a number of guys develop. And we have like seven running backs, I think it is. I mean, is it six or seven running backs? So, you know, hopefully within that group, you have three or four that you can depend on going forward. I think we just added another running back while you were talking, Jim. That's how many we have. Yeah, you know, we did add today. I was just looking before you got on, Rob. Um, but Dave's favorite favorite player is going to be playing running back, it sounds like, today from, from the podcast. So. Brody yeah. Belt, baby. Brody Belt is going to be yeah. a running back. That's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what it sounded like. So, yeah, add another one. We got the depth, baby. Know, man. We got the depth. I, I mean, Jim, you you were on with us after the spring game last year, and um, you saw my—I I don't even know if I should be saying it's a family—you saw my man boner over Yant, and I mean, they, 
I'm telling you, he's it, it kind of shocked me that um, Frost was talking about how his conditioning last year wasn't where they wanted it to be. And that was one of the reasons why he didn't get playing time, which is the first time I've heard anybody really say that. I mean, literally from the horse's mouth, right? I mean, this that's the guy that made that decision. I hadn't heard that before. I'd heard like hints of it here and there, but um, he sounded really high on Yant this year too. And I, I see Yant as a bell cow type. If you're going to be running it up the middle and right, right at, down their throats, he's the guy that's going to get you. I mean, he's going to, you know, what is it? Three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, that's going to be Yant right there. I mean, we were watching him in the spring game just – I mean, Honky and I were up there staring at each other lovingly, just watching this kid carry like six guys on his back through spring games. So, I mean, well, that's my that's my prediction right now. But yeah, you know. and what we don't want to see is Yant at halftime of a game like against Purdue, where he has four carries for fifty yards and ends up with six carries for sixty yards. Right? I mean, that just doesn't even make sense. You know, if you're if you're having success, stick stick with something that you're having success with now. I, I couldn't give you a depth chart right now at running back. I just know that they're going to have depth, compete. There's going to be new guys coming in also in the, the summer for what it's worth that, that could get into that competition. But I'm, I'm really big on if you're not here right now in spring, it's hard for me to envision somebody really cracking a depth chart if you're not going through everything they're doing right now. Here's my um, question on Yant, though. I mean, and, and I was watching the, the Iowa game for the first time so I was at the game. But where was Yant in the Iowa game? I mean, that was his chance. I mean, he, was, he didn't play at Wisconsin. Um, you know, he, there's some things that went on there prior to that game, but, you know, he had his chance. He had, that was the game for Yant. I mean, he hadn't played really since Northwestern, but, um, I mean, he had a couple first rounds, but again, I was a good defense, but I didn't see a ton from Yant in that game to give me, I guess I'm not as high on Yant as the rest of you guys. And it's, I think I'm kind of wait and see with him. I mean, there's so much that happened for him to, get to the point where he actually was playing last year. I think Frost talked about his maturity today and how his maturity has improved quite a bit. Um, but I don't know if he's that guy. I mean, I hope he is. I hope someone emerges, right? Sure. But I, I just, for me, I think I need to see a little more from him yet. I think we have, we've got a bunch of those guys that it's made, I think in particular, the last few years frustrating. You know, I, I think Omar Manning is another that I'd put up there that, like, I've been waiting for him to be, like, Randy Moss. I thought he was, right? I thought he was going to be, like, the best wide receiver ever. And he is, when he catches the ball, is phenomenal. Like, that Oklahoma catch was incredible. He's got a ton of deep balls that he goes and gets. But I thought he'd be a 10, 12 catch guy a game, and he's not. I, I thought Yant would be Jerome Bettis, and he's close, but he's also, like, not, right? So, there, you know, and then yeah. you go back to, like, the Maurice Washingtons of the world. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the fastest, best player of all time. And then they, like, peter off. So, you know, I, I think Frost takes a lot of risks in the recruiting game, and he gets these guys that are, like, high-risk, high-reward-type high players like them that have, you know, for whatever reason, off-the-field issues that – you know, prevent them from going to call it Alabama or any of the other top tier programs. And I think then you kind of see what's happening now is then there's like, okay, he, you know, Yant lost Frost trust mm-hmm. and Omar Manning lost, you know, he, he had the issues last year and like race Washington has hit his issues. And those are just a few of the guys that you're like, these guys are explosive, unbelievable talents that for mm-hmm. whatever reason, Frost just has not been able to get them to where they can be. And so that, that, you know, I think everybody struggles with that one. It's like you have unbelievable raw talent on the field. Just getting them to that next level has, has seemed to, you seem to struggle with that. Well, you know, let's talk about the other position there, the other skill position, the wide receivers group, and we can throw tight ends with this too. But 
you know, for all the questions with running back rotation in the past, there's questions about wide receiver rotation in the past. This is not intended to be a knock on the previous coaches, but I can't help. But somebody said it earlier, it's like we have these grownups in the room, these 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 pros at what they do. And just before we start talking about wide receivers, let's listen to how uh, Frost brought up uh, Mickey today. We all got a lot of guys in the receiver room, and they're not getting away with much uh, right now um, with Mickey in there. So they know the expectations and the standards, and they know there's going to be a lot of competition in the room because uh, we got a lot of guys on a lot of depth. Uh, so uh, today was day one. They're going to have 15 practices this spring and a bunch of time over summer and fall to uh, try to battle it out to see who the main guys are going to be, and uh, they're off to a good start. When you think about the wide receivers, we've got some talent, right? I, to your point, Dave, I think maybe Manning would be an example of someone you took. I don't know if it was a huge reach, but you reached to get him, right? He was a JUCO guy, so there was obvious, you know, there were reasons why maybe he couldn't go to an Alabama type of school. But, you know, Xavier Betts was a great recruit to get in, right? And and probably could have gone to a lot of schools other than Nebraska. So we were getting some good players in here, but development. Let's talk about development. This receivers coach walks in here and has – Chase and Jefferson, two of the top three, four receivers in the in the NFL right now. This is a guy that has, you know, as a as a position coach, as players now, you know, nationally, he's well known, great recruiter down there. That his offensive coordinator just had the Blitnikoff Award winner and the Heisman, you know, finalist. So, Dave, you brought up the receivers earlier. What gets you excited right now, just from a depth perspective, and also from the development? Let's let's focus on that too. Development and depth. What what are you liking right? Now? Well, I think you hit on it, right? I think you've got Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, who are just untapped, unbelievable amounts of potential, sky's the limit type players that you see bursts of it. You know, you, you see Betts get chased down along, you know, he chased down a deep ball. You see Betts take a ball, you know, take it 70, 80 yards against Northwestern to the house. He's got it. But like the consistency hasn't been there. Same with Omar Manning. You know, Alante Brown's another one. Like you get him the ball, like what can he do with it? I, I just feel like we have not, we have unbelievable talent on that side and just have not reached their potential but or, or even close. But then I, I would gets me even more excited, the fact that he's bringing in his guys, like DeColdis, mm-hmm. right? DeColdis, you bring in a DeColdis on top of Xavier Betts and Omar Manning, and they're like, oh, shoot, like this is the new standard. Like this is the level that we got to elevate to because this guy's going to play mm-hmm. you know, this year or next year if I don't start to, to step my game up. So, you know, I, I think that the you know the four star guys and the five stars he's shooting for, I think, is going to help elevate that game. And I think he can coach too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he, he can coach. He can mentor. Um, he clearly brings a cachet and like a swagger to him that I think gives him a ton of credibility in that room. Um, so yeah, if you get the man, if you get the potential out of those guys, and then you got Casey Thompson thrown to him, I mean, I think it was Rob. I think maybe you forwarded me. Yeah, but Davon Hall, who's the junior from Bellevue right now, who's the four-star in-state kid a year from now, referred to Mickey as like a you know a mentor already. And and idol, he said an idol. Is that an it? Idol. or maybe it was you, that Jim, that even yeah. said that to me? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Jim, what are you thinking right now? I guess as as you see that room, include the tight ends too. There, with if you'd like, also with what Beckton's working with. You know what? For the first time, it's kind of funny. It's, it, you get a new coach in like Mickey Joseph and. Um, I don't feel like I have to worry about being developed anymore to, to kind of Dave's point. Like, I don't like, I like Will Nixon. I liked him in the spring game, but he let, he leaves and I'm like, eh, no big deal. Right. Because I, I believe so much in what Mickey Joseph is doing and his ability to develop guys. If guys can't make it and there's going to be guys that transfer out are like, Oh man, that would have been nice to have him here. Mm-hmm. I don't care. 
I don't care because I know the guys that are going to be there. They're going to be competing come, come, you know, Northwestern game and come next year are the guys that have made it through this gauntlet or made it through his, his development. And the guys that want to be there are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm most excited about um, Xavier Betts because I think, I think Betts is not only the most gifted player um, on Nebraska's team, as far as wide receivers, I think he's one of the best in, in the big 10. If he can be developed in, in that way, I mean, he's got the, he's one of the fastest guys in the team. Physically, he's one of the most gifted players. He's one of the top rated players come out of, you know, come out of high school, but he just hasn't had the consistency both on and off the field. And so what Mickey brings is that accountability. I think you mentioned um, Jamar Chase or Jefferson, but Mickey actually had those guys in his office, you know, mm-hmm. in LSU studying for tests. I mean, he is going to, he's going to basically, you know, entirely encompass these guys and say, I'm serious about you on the football field and in the classroom and your relationships. I mean, I'm going to be there and we're going to, we're going to get after this. And I think you've heard some of the snippets about Betts being a much better player, much better. He's dialed in. And and that's mm-hmm. what I want. I want, I want a coach who's going to dial these guys in. So, um, you know, we brought in some players like uh, I, um, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who I think is going to be really, really good. Um, in that slot, Lante Brown has been mentioned a number of times, and today was mentioned by Frost by name. He was the one guy he brought up was Lante Brown. Mm-hmm. What did so, you think? What did you think of Omar playing some slot today? Because Whipple likes bigger guys in the slot too. What did you think of that? I think he's experimenting with different things. I think Whipple mentioned having guys play multiple wide receiver spots. They have to know all mm-hmm. the spots. So I think he's just kind of seen. I mean, Whipple's big thing, as we know, is finding which which pieces work best. Right? That's his. His, his kind of MO is is figuring out the 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 spots in the offense, the guys that can do things and 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 where we can get them the ball. So I think he's probably tinkering around with that. Um so we'll see. I I think me personally, I think Alante Brown and Isaiah Castaneda sound the best in the slot, but if it's Omar Manning, it's Omar Manning. You know, I, I think yeah. that's I think he's got so many different opportunities now to figure out these weapons he's got. And then Dave mentioned the coldest and Victor Jones, these other guys are gonna be here. We have got guys from last Neville, year. Neville, I mean, yeah, just Neville, uh, Sean Hardy was a guy that uh, Grimes, yes. off of Grimes. I mean, they they've got to get going right away because if they don't, they're gonna get passed up by by these guys that, that Mickey's bringing in. So, um, no, I think it's good. I think tight ends. I I'm excited to see. You know, we've got Vokalek out for the spring, so it's an opportunity for James Carney for AG Rollins, who yep. was mentioned by name as the guy that uh, Austin Allen thought was gonna <laughs> make a big jump. Um, Fedoni, of course, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for these guys from the spring to really make a name for themselves, and, and we'll and we'll see how it kind of shakes out. Mm-hmm. Rob, well, yeah, I was just gonna say like one of the words, and and we haven't used this buzzword yet, but um, I mean, a perfect example of the style of coach that Joseph is. Um, one, his expectations have been set publicly. I'm sure they've been, I know they've been set privately. Um, you know, all of his players know exactly what is going to be expected of them, what kind of work's going to be put in, what, um, you know, what, what type of players are going to be again, the special teams that I, that I mentioned earlier, but another big factor in here too. And, and the, if you, if you look at like the way that, and, and this is going to kind of be weird, but his wife, Priscilla, and she's really active on Twitter, but you listen to her talk her radio shows, everything, her involvement with the players in general speaks volumes to the type of coach that Joseph is to me personally, because mm-hmm. it shows that they take 
the family approach. And I don't know how else to put that, but you know, you can tell, I mean, some of the players that, I mean, you want to talk about dropping names. She was dropping some of these players names from LSU that, that she just has these great relationships with, you know, and they were playing in the Super Bowl and all these things. And it's like, and she still talks to them and they still text her, you know, she was like making dinner for these kids, having them over to the houses for barbecues, things like that. And these are things over the last four years that you haven't really heard a lot about in the Husker culture but now you're starting to see it kind of come through a little bit more. And for me, that's the kind of positivity. That's the kind of, uh, you know, things that I want to see as a fan, because you know that, again, if these kids are buying into this program, then they're going to be here because they know what's expected of them and they know exactly how it's going to be. But it's also going to allow other people on the outside to see it, the transparency that's available for recruits and why people want to come here and play. And like like we said earlier, the one kid um, right here in Nebraska that, you know, Joseph is his idol. Like, when's the last time that you heard any recruit say that about a coach for the Huskers? I mean, it's yeah, always say about Frost. All, they pretty much say about Frost all the time. Well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, to be to be fair. But, you know, they weren't coming here. Though I mean, well, I, until I now, God, right? You, so you had something I think is kind of interesting too. And Priscilla said, you know, she's like, I didn't realize that Mickey was so big when I came back here. People were like freaking out, like your husband. Oh my gosh! Like, and she's like, I I started to come to realize just what kind of presence he has. But one thing I like about Mickey Joseph, if you guys listen to him talk, he's done like I think five or six different interviews, but he's very self aware of what kind of presence he has, and he understands the 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 aura or the you know his ability to you know get into a doorway pretty easily with with who he is but if you notice he is very he is very quick to um point out um frost's um expertise or frost's uh great abilities he, he definitely ties in hey look i know you're excited about me and that's great but i'm excited about frost and i'm excited about what he's got going on i'm excited about being part of his team about getting this thing over the hump and he's very He's very, uh, I don't think it's smart, but he, I think it's just who he is, but he ties everything into to Frost. And I think that's a, it's an important piece, especially in Omaha, to make sure that, that you know, I mean, let's face it, Frost is, uh, what, I mean, his record is, what, 15 and 29. So um, I, I like that that part of Mickey. I like his ability to to have the awareness that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of larger than life right now, but I want to make sure people know that I am, I am, you know, subservient to this head coach who I really respect and I really like, and I, and I can't wait to work for him. And I'm, I'm excited about being here. So can we just clarify, he's going to be 30 and 29 at the end of the season though. So (laughs) He's got some catch up to play. Well, well, offensively, I mean, there were, there were a lot of changes there with the coaching staff defensively and let's move to that side of the ball here. Uh, We haven't had as many changes from a coaching staff perspective, but there definitely has been some changes on the roster. Uh, here are some updates today, uh, some of the quotes. Uh, Newsom talked about how the newcomers have raised the competition level and how he doesn't consider any position locked up. That goes back to the competition stuff I know I, I like to hear. Garrett Nelson on the development of Blaze Gunderson and Jamari Butler. I would put them on the field right now. Nick Henrich, uh, he uh, said the first name he mentioned regarding defensive lineman who stood out is Nash Hetmacher. Uh, big and strong, he takes up bodies up there. Uh, Garrett also said his voice was a little rough following the first day of practice as he took it upon himself to get guys pumped up, which isn't all surprising. And lastly, Nelson said it's been good to have 
one voice on the front four is uh, Mike Dawson Slice, the defensive line coach, but still works with the Ed guys uh, as Nebraska plays a lot of two D linemen, two outside linebacker fronts. And he praised, again, he praised the growth of Gunderson and Jamari Butler. So, defensively, and that you asked a question that I'm going to sp- make this specific to defense, uh, Jim. You asked a question about uh, what are one or two things you'd like to see get accomplished if you were Shenander. Um, I'll ask that to you first, I guess. What your top one thing on defense? What is something you, you think is critical that Shenander gets accomplished during the spring? Find a pass rusher. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, I, I think it's, it's obvious from his discussion today that we're definitely – moving towards a four-man front. And I think it works out well that Dawson's going to be coaching all four of those guys up in the front because mm-hmm. they were, I think that's pretty evident that this is going to be the way that it looks because it has to in the Big Ten. Um, but with that being said, um, we really we haven't had an edge rusher. And I, I think the, the the player that I am uh, most excited about seeing to see if they can take that next step is Jamari Butler. Because um, I think I mean, he's the one of the guys that coming out of high school, again, it's high school, but he was a sack artist. So now he's put on the weight. He's transitioned into this um, outside linebacker, 245 pounds. Can he be someone that rushes the passer? Because you look at last year's defense, and I mean, it was a good defense, but one of the one things that they did not do is they could not create pressure. And mm-hmm. so do, do we have that that person? I, I feel a little better about the front line that I did maybe a couple of weeks ago when I was kind of thinking about how it was going to look you know, without Daniels and Stilly. But I think if we can create – you know, more, more of these four man fronts and, and bring more of these big edge guys down. I think it kind of like Wisconsin does it a little bit. Um, you're going to have, you know, some success there, but that's probably number one is find a, find a guy that at least can show some promise of being a pass rusher. Dave. Yeah, I, I would probably echo that. I think that probably the biggest question mark is D line. And so someone who can get to the QB, we just haven't had that in a long time. You know, I've been digging through the archives and you dig through like the Randy Gregory's of the world. And you're like, ah, wouldn't that be nice? But I, I feel good about the linebackers in particular. You know, I think with, with Reimer and Henrik and, and Nelson, like you've got three of the best tacklers in the Big Ten coming back. And I think that like, you know, you feel strong about that, our ability to like tackle, our ability to, to wrap up. And I think that's what made the D so strong. I think the secondary is pretty strong too. Um, so I think that, you know, that – the D line becomes the big question mark is can you stop the run up front? It's just such a bruising conference that it's, it's so hard to be like, why do we not have better? (laughs) You know, why do we not have better guys up front when it's such a bruising conference and we've done such a good job everywhere else. Um, But I I think they'll surprise some people. Murphy twins. Rob, what about you on defense? Well, it would help if I turned my mic on. Um, <laughs> you know what? I just want to see a lot of the same as what I saw last year. Again, for me, it's consistency. Um, you know, the defense The defense last year was the one part of the team where anytime they went out on the field, I felt like they were the ones giving us a chance, right? They're the reason why we had so many one-score losses. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they were more than one score because yeah. the defense kept us in it, yeah. And you know, and and it was interesting to hear to hear Frost say that that you know he's going to get to spend more time with the defense. I'm not quite sure exactly, you know, if if, if that means that the defense is going to be better. I mean, I, again, I I try not to look at things like like for me, defense is a unit. 
thing, right? Like there's, you don't necessarily always want to have like the individual stars, right? Like in the NFL, like Max Crosby might be one of the best pass rushers in the game, but he may not be the one getting all the sacks, but he's going to be the one taking all the attention to open it up for other guys to be getting those sacks. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and, and if you can see the continuity with the defense from last year and just see these guys that were maybe behind some of these other starters coming in and, you know, continuing that type of aggressiveness that we saw last year. And I already think that our cornerbacks and safeties are just going to be a better unit as it is. We, there was a lot of guys that are coming back there. We oh, added that's, a big. Few players. Well, that's big. That's, that's I a mean, lot this, of people to replace there. That's, I mean, you're replacing, you know, Cam Taylor Brent and both of the safeties. Now I like the talent and, and I think farmer has been productive. You know, he's, he's been, made interceptions and everything when he's been out there on the field, but just Muke and, and, um, Williams were, you know, were the quarterbacks of the defense for, for a number of years. My thing, the front seven, I think there's a big difference between three, four and four, three. And, and Jim, when you were, you had the issue about a month ago, we were talking about, you know, the depth, the depth looks totally different. If we're in a four, three or a three, four, we don't look like we have a lot of defense alignment. If we're in a three, four, but you get into the four, three, where we need two defensive tackles. Well, we've, we've got some depth there. We've got six, seven bodies that could be that. If your DNs aren't 280-pound DNs, but they are outside linebackers, Gunnarsson and Taylor and Nelson, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it, it's moving some guys around. Honestly, it feels like 1992 to me when we were going from 5'2 to 4'3. To Trev Alberts is your outside linebacker, and he's a good player. I mean, he was all-conference level as an outside linebacker, put his hand in the turf, at, you know, and he has 15 sacks in, in the 4-3, and he's a Butkus Award winner. When he shouldn't have won the Butkus, he was an outside linebacker, or he was a D end. He wasn't an outside linebacker. Grant Wister was in the exact same position three years later, won the Lombard. Point is, that change, and, and to have Dawson be right in this, as they said, you know, hey, we've Dawson's coaching your outside linebackers, your edge rushers, but he's coaching the two D tackles and the two outside linebackers. Well, that sounds like a 4-3. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. But and, and if that's the case, I, I think it's actually, and I, I hated losing Tony Teodi, but I, if you thought, think about that now, if we had two coaches coaching the D line, it'd be kind of awkward. So mm-hmm. it, it's almost, it, it definitely feels like a natural progression to have Dawson coach the entire D line that includes the outside linebackers now that in, in more of that four man front. So we'll see. Mm hmm. Well, you go back to the linebackers, like you said, uh, Dave, that's a loaded area. Uh, you know, Reimers, I, they did say, I don't know if he's just being limited this spring, but oh, he's uh, out. He's out. Uh, out total. Okay. So, yeah, he's out. You're yep. going to have uh, Mayoga or Malga Clements is going to get, he's going to be the starter now um, in the spring. And uh, I guess he's done really well, according to, to Henrich. Um, mm-hmm. So, he'll get a ton of reps there and we'll see what he's got now in his last year. You know, you still have Randolph Kapai from uh, yep. Sioux Falls. Uh, Ernest Hausman from my neck of the woods in Columbus, Nebraska. He'll uh, he's either going to be is he inside? I think they they have him starting at inside right now. They do yeah. starting off at that. Kolarevich is actually going to be uh, in the you know, in the competition for the nickel spot, which I thought was really interesting. Which is basically replacing Doman. And um, so with Javen Wright and uh, Gifford, I, yeah, Gifford are going to be the three guys going for nickel. A concern that I. I know that you have Jim and I'm, I'm going to just, I'll share it. Yeah. By the end of last season, once Daniels was out, once Stilly, well, Stilly, I guess played through it to the end, but once we didn't have Daniels and once we didn't have 
uh, Doman playing, which was after the uh, the Ohio State game, and now you're playing Wisconsin and Iowa, two of the, the big groups, you know, running teams. We seem to have – we struggled a little bit with some of the run D. How much does that concern you right now? Obviously, that you know, we're – we got to replace those guys. I mean, that Daniels – there's video I've watched of, of Daniels against uh, Iowa Center, Linder, Lindenbaum or whatever, and, yep. you know, and more than handling them at times. And But I don't know that we had another guy that was going to be able to do the same thing if he wasn't on the field. We'll see. I mean, I – the defense against Iowa was a lot different than we saw against Michigan State. I mean, we granted we didn't have Dolman, we didn't have Williams, we didn't have mm-hmm. we didn't have uh, Daniel, but um, yeah, it's a concern. I think for me, the D line is the biggest concern of the entire team. I think that that's my number one. I, I actually feel pretty good. Kind of going back to Dave's point about the offensive line, there's so much depth there, and so much I think untapped talent. I feel better about Riello being able to find something that works up front. But the D line, I mean, it's it's. Um, I mean, again, going back to what Dave said, you got to stop the run this in the Big Ten. If you can't stop the run, as Iowa did against us in that game, the last game of the season, I mean, I mean, there was times when they literally just had quarterback handoff run game, and the guy would get six, seven yards at, at a pop. So, if we can't stop that, I mean, that's that's a that's a big concern. So, I I'm curious to see how they plug and play and find these pieces and find these different. Um, these players that they can they can fit into the Chandler schemes and and be able to at the end of the day stop the run because if we can't do that <laughs> you know we might have Texas again last year I mean we could throw for a ton of yards but if we can't stop the run the Big Ten it's not going to be pretty. Dave, I've said I want guys and well Rob has said you know if you're if you're not playing right now you're dead to me and and I've said you know this spring I want guys you know here in the spring if they're going to be playing in the fall but the reality is to Jim's point there, do you think we're hitting the portal after this semester? You know, whether it's a Mathis from TCU or these Murphy twins or whoever, I mean, I don't even know, to be honest, I'm not even sure the Murphy twins are, but I'll look this up afterwards. And, (laughs) you know, I just can't remember every one of these names until you, until you're like in Lincoln half the time, I I just don't even, you know, pay attention to some of those names, but, but the point Dave is, are we hitting the portal in that front seven, especially the front four, do you think after this uh, semester, or do you think this spring we're able to develop, you know, Black and and uh, oh, who are some of the other young guys there? Weaver and and Buckley, yeah. and we're feeling yeah, we're feeling pretty good at the end of this uh, spring, and we don't I, need to hit the portal. The answer is always probably both, right? Like you're mm-hmm. developing as much as you can, let the best man win, and then you see where you're at, and you're sort of you know these guys are always out recruiting, and I think that's what is so interesting about the transfer portal is, you know, it, it's almost like the game has changed completely in that guys you recruited three, four, five years ago are all of a sudden back, right? Like if you leave a good impression with a 17-year-old and he's 22 and a grad transfer and he all of a sudden is like, I really like Nicky Joseph, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're back. And so I think you're always recruiting. You're always trying to find transfer guys. Um, so I think it's, it's always both. I hope we can develop the guys that we have because I would agree it's pretty hard to find a guy in June that starts in September. Um, but, yeah, if they're not stepping off, then you got to go find somebody else. Yeah. Well, stepping up, uh, you can get on the field on defense. You can also get on the field on special teams. And uh, we have a new special teams coordinator, Bill Bush. Uh, he was asked uh, how serious was he about proving special teams, and he said everyone is available to play, including quarterback Matt Masker, who ran down the field on a kickoff coverage today wearing his green jersey. So, you know, he's definitely uh, – the emphasis is there. I have, I have total confidence in Bill Bush, by the way. that You can go back and listen to our show a year ago 
before he even came here as an analyst. And I was already singing his praises, opened up a bush light, and you know, I was like, let's get this guy here. I don't care if he's here as an analyst, just get him hired and, and back here. I love Bill Bush. I remember watching him. I'd go to those coaches' clinics dating back to the soldiers, and I can remember Bush talking at him, and he was outstanding. Um, and he's a Pender, Nebraska guy, too. I mean, for what it's worth, I, I always have a, a warm spot in my heart for, for Husker guys coming back home. And, and uh, anyways, uh, Frost talked about special teams, and here's what's important to him right now. We got to punt it well, kick it well, and, and have some guys that are dangerous in the return game. And uh, for the most part, I thought our coverage units did a good job last year. There's still improvement to be made. Um, I think we got some guys that are going to be able to catch the ball and do something with it, and um, we got to punt it well and make our kicks, and, and we, we hopefully added some guys that are going to be able to do that and are bringing some guys back. Rob, did you say you had a chance at Northern Colorado? He lives up in, in Greeley. Did you have a chance to go and see our, our punter from Montana kick last year? Um, I mean, in all fairness, it is in Greeley, so – you know, yeah, but I think at one point I think I saw him kick like a seventy-five yard punt, some like mm. something fantastic like that. I mean, he was texting you the see- group. He was texting the group about some guy from Montana. He's like, "This dude's amazing!" And then like a month and a half later, he <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I really was. I was in the stands because it was the day of the Michigan. Oh no, it wasn't the Michigan game. That was Eastern Washington. But there, there was a there was a game I was at. Yeah, and I was texting. I was like, "Holy cow! Like, it, I wish we could have this." And it was. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing these like FB, uh, you know, FCS punters that are kicking the ball 65, 70 yards. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he won whatever like the punting award is at Ray the guy. FCS level. Yeah, he won the Ray Guy punting award. Is mm-hmm. it? Oh, for, for, yeah, Ray Guy. I, I've, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> so he played, he played for some team that. Oh, I, I don't get him for. on the Raiders. Don't get him on the Raiders. Um, <laughs> So, Jim, I'll, I'll go to you here. Yeah. You know, Frost at different points has said, hey, last year special teams was just a – we were just a kicker away or we were just a returner That's away. Is that what it is? Was it a specialist thing or did we have some fundamental things that, that Bush is coming in to fix too? Or is it literally just we just need a couple better – we just need a better kicker and a better punter and a better returner and, man, that's it. I, I actually agree with Frost here. I really do. I, I think it just comes down to a couple pieces. I, I thought it actually, I thought Dawson did a fairly good job. I mean, I don't think Dawson, I mean, obviously the first game against Illinois, Cam Taylor Britt muffs that punt. Um, first game, I mean, that was killer. But as the season progressed, I, I thought it improved. I, I obviously missed the missed punt against Michigan State. But if you have a punter, if you have a kicker that can do those things and do them well and have a returner, I mean, the, the, the change is so much of that defense or so much of the special teams. I think it, I think I agree with Frost. I, I, I think it, you just, you get Bush in there and he's got, you know, his ability to um, get the guys he wants on that, on those units. You have uh, or Frost and a renewed interest in special teams, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get Trey Palmer and you get these guys back there that are used to returning kicks and doing and having success doing that. I mean, yeah. Palmer had two touchdowns returning kicks. And yeah, and and so you get Ray Guy back there, and we're good. So, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, Dave, what what has you more excited right now? The, the the new punter, the new kicker, or is it Palmer returning some kicks and punts next year? God, I mean, it's just can we just gotta get like basic confidence? <laughs> uh, you know, there Bo Rude on a, the Nick Bob podcast a couple months ago because he he was on the same team as Bush back in mm-hmm. what was that probably like 2011 must have been you oh, five. Happy, you know? 
oh five to like oh seven would be like oh five to seven. Sorry, I'm off by yeah. a couple years. The um, he his perspective is he was like special teams just they were just solid. They just existed. Like we didn't think about it. You know, we didn't. It, it wasn't this big thing. Like right now, it's this like big elephant in the room of sure. like what are we gonna screw up? He's like it's just it was a thing. Like they went out there and the punter always punted it. The kicker always made his kicks. You know, right. like we kicked, we kicked the kickoffs, did the kickoffs, and like every once in a while we'd spring a kick. And you're like, yeah, you know, I, I think there's love, like there's optimism of like, oh man, will Trey Palmer bring a kickback? Yes, that'd be awesome. But at the same time, like literally, like the expectation is like just you know, Michigan don't State, just ki- Michigan State. <laughs> hey, yeah. don't don't kick it, you know, don't kick it to the wrong side of the field. They, you know, we've had multiple 11 yard punts. It's like. My, the expectation is so low at this point that it's like just be yeah, normal, just yeah, be fine. I, Iowa having the the wrong protection for wrong the, protection. I mean, it, it's just be fine. Like if you were just if if they were neutral, mm. we're an eight win team. And neutral. It, that's why that's why it's such a big deal to us, right? So we've lost all these. I've I've went over those stats all the time. You know, we lost all these close games, right? And then I think I counted up that we had forty six points scored on us in unconventional ways last year unconventional meaning not scored against our defense that it, so that means some offensive things we had an interception return for a touchdown we had a fumble return for a touchdown but we also had a kickoff return for a touchdown we had a punt return for a touchdown we had a, a punt block for a touchdown we have a guy catch the ball in the end zone on a punt for some reason and 10 feet in front of us because we were we were there rob at illinois throws the ball over his head and that that happened. We, I went to the Oklahoma game and watched an extra point get blocked and returned for two points. That's it. Just adds up, and the, and it's all these little points, little things here and there. But oh my gosh, before you know it, you've given up forty six points that your defense didn't allow, and you've lost nine games by single digits, and you've lost eight games by by one score or less. And you know, but it's a is special teams a big deal. I mean, I a competent. I would just take a competent, obviously. We kick 11-yard punts against Michigan State and turn around the next week, and the same punter kicks 84 yards against Northwestern. I, I just yeah. I don't get it. That Northwestern game got done. I just felt like, oh, my God, we just, like, shot our whole load in one night. Like, every good thing that could possibly happen, it felt like it, it happened in one 60-minute game. And, um, you know, I mean, everything was going right then. But Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is that 311 needs to have a concert that I go to every single time Nebraska plays because that's where I was when they played Northwestern and Northwestern night. We do. Yeah. So that would be good. I had a video on my phone of the Cam Taylor Britt um, debacle. And I think I watched it probably 50 times and I finally deleted it off my phone. It's kind of like, you know, wondering if I should text my ex ex or something, you know, it was like, I mm. kept watching it over and over again. And finally I deleted it like two months ago and I'm like, okay, slate is clean. Slate is I, clean. Yeah. Well, cause that really happened. Like literally like 20 feet in front of us. Yeah. We were in that corner of the end zone. Like, I, the crazy thing with that, that punt catch that, uh, that uh, punt drop. Well, no, he caught it. Debacle. He caught it. Yeah, and then he he was running right at us against Illinois. He's running right at us, and it looked funny, like for seconds leading up to it. It's like, why is why is he even doing this? Why are you running to the end zone? This is clearly, you know, when you get to about the eight yard line, you don't drop back any further. And he's running to a weird spot to catch a punt to begin with, and then he catches it. It's like, what? And then throws it over his head and. I mean, like I said, Mac quit the show after that game. He was just like, I'm done. I'm done. 
Oh, I mean, you're bringing back some dark memories. I was, I was, I was standing until that point, and I was like, "All right, sunburn, bring it on!" Like, literally, <laughs> forgot my sunscreen. I'm turning red, and but I'm thinking, "Okay, this is gonna be the greatest day ever, right? This is the, this is it. This is where we turn it, turn that corner." I've never been so depressed in my entire life. Well, we've talked about offense, we talked about defense, we talked about special teams. It's time to close up, and I wanted to do something unique for for our two guests for Jim and Dave wanted to do a, a little segment we call you tweeted it. And, uh, uh -oh. this, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we'll start with Dave, man. And, and, and I Only love if Dave, guys promise not that. to yell at me again. No, <laughs> no they, these are all positive ones. I don't think nothing to be shamed of. Uh, we talked about it earlier, Dave, you know, the talent that the reasons to be excited and you know, four-star quarterback, Thompson and Purdy and four-star receivers, Palmer, Bonner and Crawford, and, and Palmer is a five-star, according to some of the, the services. Here's a four-star running back, Allen. Of course, I, I'm not even sure. Yeah, this was February 2nd. But, yeah, there's four-star Grant, too, right? Here's these four-star quarterbacks. So, you know, when, as you're posting this, Dave, you know, your thoughts, is it, are you just, is it just this infusion of talent just had you so excited that day? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we sort of talked about a lot, right? It's like any of this, the transfer portal talent and, and our ability to fill a lot of the holes that we were hoping to fill. Um, you know, I, I think just the talent excuse isn't there. We got the players, mm -hmm. and now it's development and execution. And can we get this talent to execute, I think, is like the big the big question, right? Is like, can, mm -hmm. can Frost motivate them to, to reach their potential? Can Mickey Joseph motivate them to reach their potential? Is Whipple the right offense? Um, but, I, you know, look at that. I mean, it's, you know, we had questions at quarterback. We got two four-stars. We had questions mm -hmm. at depth at wide receiver. You got three Mickey Joseph guys. Boom. Just like yep. that. You know, he shows up and within a month, he's got three four-stars that he's got lining up. So, you know, I think in that regard, um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 hope for optimism because you're like, wow, okay. Now there's just an infusion of talent. It's going to push everybody else. They got to step their game up. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I think that uh, you can't help but be, not be excited about that. Oh, yeah, I agree. Now, you talk about the players that we got. As we all know, if you hadn't heard this, there's one player we didn't get back in the day. In fact, <laughs> in fact Bill Bush got him to come to LSU. This one, dude, I just cracked up. This, I mean, during the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow has been sacked Super Bowl record seven times tonight, so it's almost as if he's getting a taste of what it would have been like to play at Nebraska anyways. Dude, that's good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's funny because it's like, God, that, that storyline is so played out so poorly. <laughs> And I actually, I love Joe Burrow. Like yeah. I truly, I, I'm probably on the camp that like, if he came here, he would have made us remarkably better. I mean, that dude just has it. He's got the total package. He's mm. got the swagger, the confidence, the arm strength. He would have made us way better, but he would, he would not have been anywhere near what he was at LSU. Mm. You know, like he goes to LSU and he's got all worldwide receivers and the best offensive line, 15 NFL draft picks or 20 NFL draft picks on that team. We just didn't have that. So I think it's, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, what can that guy do when he's got, you know, seven sacks? I mean, he got sacked like an NFL record all season. So, yeah, he's getting a little taste of it. <laughs> and last one, uh, I'm guessing this – so this is a ESPN game day one, and it has to be from November-ish when Frost is being retained. And uh, and basically, you know, the, the quote there is, do you know how easily this team can flip their record and be 7-3 and three or 8-2? and two? So I guess it goes back to what we said at the beginning. Now, here's the ESPN guys sitting there that they recognized, you know, how close Nebraska was just one more reason, I guess, not to, not to blow the whole program up and start from scratch. Right. I, I think it's, it's, it's encouraging when you see that the folks who tend to ride us pretty hard that, you know, are critical of us um, when they come out and they're like, yeah, like I watch the games, I am flabbergasted 
mm-hmm. that you're three and nine. I, Joel, I just, Joel Klatt said that a number. Joel of times. Klatt said a number of times, and even you know, as I, as I dig up a lot of these um, highlights for the Huskers' top plays, and you look even back like three or four years, which you forget, or maybe you do remember, we used to get obliterated. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah. We're three years away from Ohio State putting up 60 points. And, like, you know, oh. Michigan Michigan was up, what, 35 nothing at halftime that one year. And so, you know, I, I think when you kind of anchor it in some of those games mm-hmm. where you're like, we lose 48 nothing and 49 nothing and just score some pity touchdowns. So I think when you have objectively the Joel Klatz and the Kirk Herb Streets of the world that are like, this team is really close, objectively really close. And Michigan made mm-hmm. the playoff and we should have beaten them. Um, I, it's encouraging to me that it's not just the Kool-Aid coming and it's actually like external people being like, you guys actually have reason to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Redcast Dave and I flew out in 2016 to the Ohio state game mm-hmm. and we were seven and zero, and ranked in the top 10 and nobody knew how good or bad we were. Cause we, the schedule wasn't, you know, crazy and Oregon wasn't very good. And we beat Oregon to go seven and zero, and we go to Wisconsin and we lose in overtime at camp Randall and go seven and one, stay in the top 10. And it was the loss that actually gave me more hope. I was like, oh my gosh, we just lost in overtime at Camp Randall. Wisconsin lost in overtime at Camp Randall earlier that year to Ohio State. We're not far away from Ohio State. I think I was more confident after the loss. So we fly out to Ohio State. We're talking football the whole time. All these other fans in the in the the plane start talking to us. A couple of them said you guys should do a podcast. And uh and well, what do you Here think? We Nebraska, are. <laughs> yeah, what do you think Nebraska is going to do? And I'm like, well, I don't know that we're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be a four quarter game. I, I feel that confident coming out of the out of Camp Randall. And to your point, Dave, sixty two to three later, it wasn't a it wasn't a four quarter game. I, Honky gets shit wrong all the time. It wasn't a four quarter game. It was a four play game, and not even that. It now, wasn't competitive. And now, and now Honky, last year Nebraska had the ball. Up on Ohio State with five minutes to go in the game mm-hmm. and lost. I mean, that's that's how far we've come. Up by – I think we're up by a couple points, maybe three points. Mm-hmm. With the ball, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Shutting I down also, the running game. Yeah, I mean – I also just, don't think like – you know, I, I don't think guys like Mickey Joseph and Whipple like, you know, take it – put their career in this position if they thought they were walking into like a burning building. You know, I, I think like Mickey Joseph could have gone anywhere he wanted. And the fact that he came home, he knew he wasn't walking. You know, at least I'd like to think he wasn't walking into something that was just going to like light on fire and his career would be over. Right. Like they, I think they think they can. There's some there's a lot of pieces here they can do something with. I agree. Well, I did it to you, Dave. So I'm going to do it to Jim here. You tweeted it. And oh. uh, interesting comment. Brody. <laughs> interesting Brody. comment today from Benning on a wide receiver not on yeah. this list. Brody Belt. Mark my words, the most pleasant surprise after spring on the offensive side will be Belt. Write it down. Say DB said, take it to the bank. He's for real. We talked about Belt earlier. I don't know if he's running back or wide receiver, but uh, uh, your thoughts here, Dave. Or, I'm sorry, your thoughts here, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, give it to Jim, and then I'll, I'll yeah, jump Dave's in. Thoughts. Yeah. No, I Jim just in wanted Florida. To, I yeah. wanted to share that because I, I think that's interesting. He took a pretty hard stance, and when he, when he does that, I, I tend to pay attention and find out Hey, what's kind of going on here? And then you had another article from Sam McEwen about uh, Belt. So I don't know. I mean, obviously we we have one day of practice. So what exactly do they see in this off-season workout that makes them excited about Belt? I'm curious, just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I can't add too much to one more to that. But um, he definitely, if you ever, if you heard that segment, he was 
Like, mark it down. I'm telling you right now, this guy's going to be legit. So, yeah. And, and this is in spring ball, and this is a time when you get the walk ons that build their names up and, and they, they get out there and play more and everything. Uh, it gets you excited, right, Dave? <laughs> but I think my, my the only thing with Brody is like it's more like the concept of, of it, right? Like where we've seen like Wyatt Leewers are like number one wide receiver when you have a mm-hmm. roster of like Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, and you're like, how did that happen? And like I look at you know, we've got seven four star running backs. And you're going to tell me a walk-on is better than all seven four-star running backs. And it's like, then fire all of the recruiting coordinators. Like, <laughs> how are these – how do you have seven four-star running backs that aren't going to see the field and Brody Belt's going to be your guy? If he turns out to be the guy and he's phenomenal and he's the next Rex Burkhead, fine. I'm all for it. Like, that'd be phenomenal. I guess I just look at, like, you know, similar to the Wyatt Leewers of the world where you're like, how, how can – what happened to, like, you know, the nine four-stars that we recruited? <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's more about – yeah, if recruiting rankings mean anything, you, you typically want your four and your five stars and all that being the guys that are going to be playing. But, hey, I'm also a walk-on guy, and I love seeing the walk-ons that, that can, you know, find their way onto the field. Uh, next one up here, Jim, uh, speaking of, you know, uh, looking for guys getting onto the field, here you go. I'm always looking for a player that can change the performance of the defense by being a dynamic uh, and you're talking about uh, Jamari Butler here. Butler was a sack artist in high school. Now he's had the necessary weight for the three, four outside linebacker. Can he be the pick to click in 22? Will be fun to watch. Can he be, you know, whether we get a Mathis or not, can, can he be the guy, you know, Butler that, you know, breaks through next year, Jim, what do you think? Well, last year I thought it was going to be Feldarius Payne and he did have a good first two games and he disappeared after that. So, I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, I, I think it's, what, his third year now? So this is the time where Butler and uh, and Gunnarsson – I mean, this is the time where they got to step up. This is their third year. So if he can and and have a successful spring and, and get him catapulted into the fall camp period, I, I like Butler. I like him a lot. It sounds like he's had a really good offseason. And he's – I mean, I think at one point he thought he might transfer at his first year, so he stuck it out. I and mean, he, he figured out how to dig deep and, and stay here and, and get through that COVID year, and now he's – got opportunity so we'll see and last but not least here uh oh god (laughs) this one cracks me up here so it was uh uh, that great uh gene smith uh ohio state uh, athletic director said that scheduling portion of the alliance is essentially over the big 10 will likely stick with the nine conference games so the alliance was the the three conference alliance between the acc the pac-12 and the big 10 and they were gonna have an alliance to try to you know counter i guess the sec and your your tweet, bah, ha, 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 ha. the alliance was the dumbest. Oh yeah, we'll show you weak ass move to SEC muscle, and now it's over before it ever began. Another feather in the cap for Kevin Warren. This guy's unbelievable. <laughs> Go I mean, for it, Jim. I mean, he tries to shut down the entire or the entire college football season in 2020, right? And that that's his intro to to college football. And then they start this. I mean, it's like a spite league. Like they they just get all upset about the SEC and you know wanting to schedule these games. And then and then it's nothing. It's, and you have Gene. And by the way, where is Kevin Warren? Where is he? I mean, is he ever? Does he ever speak? Does he ever tweet anything? You ever hear from the guy? I mean, he makes like five million dollars a year to do nothing. I mean, I mean, he's got opportunity to make a, a you know a big splash with the TV deal coming up. Maybe he makes a name for himself there, and we're all happy with what kind of money we get. But 
I don't know. I mean, this this alliance is just. I mean, what was that? I mean, they had a logo and everything. <laughs> they had a logo I mean, and everything. I mean, it's just. It's just, it, it just, it, it, it upsets me. I mean, I, I make fun of it, but it really at the bottom, I get upset by the fact that SEC takes this stuff so much seriously than we do. And we have, I mean, I call them the bow ties, but we have these guys that run these universities that just don't care about football. You know, you have a guy that's in his basement here in Minnesota. I mean, what are you doing? Like, be a I'll Big put- Ten, be a commissioner. Act like, I follow Greg Sankey on, on Twitter. That guy tweets every single day about mm-hmm. sports about the SEC, about himself, jogging, whatever it is. But you know who Greg Sankey is. Where's Kevin Warren? What are you doing? Where do you, where, stop creating these alliance leagues and go out and, you know, put football, put athletics to the top of the forefront in the Big mm-hmm. Ten. I don't I don't see that. And just, just one more thing to me that just irks the hell out of me with this guy. But, yeah. Rob yeah. said it earlier, 311. Well, 311 is also the vote that they had uh, yeah. back in 2020 and, and forever it's, it's a feather in the cap. I think of Nebraska and Iowa and Ohio state, those three, yeah. it, it, they voted to play football. They voted to do something that for some reason it was convenient for 11 other schools to try to back out of. And Kevin Warren completely misjudged the room when he thought that every other conference was going to follow suit. Yep. And uh, so it, I, we did everything we could at the university level, and I think that those guys, you know, and thank God for the Big 12s and the, the SECs that we wanted to play football. And whether we got crap on for it or not, we wanted to play. And, Jim, sitting here listening to you on your on your rant here about Kevin Warren, and you keep saying you want him to do something. But do you really? I mean, based <laughs> no, off of everything he's done so far, do you really? <laughs> no, I, I – yeah, I want him to be gone. I just, I mean, the guy's a joke. I mean, he's he's run our league for two years now, and aside from trying to kill football, I mean, what else can you possibly do to make to come back from that? No, I. It's a good point, Rob. Good Would you point. say he's the Bill Moose of the Big Ten? No, I take Bill Moose over Kevin Morning Day. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's parting shot time now, and I, I'll start off. I'll I'll get mine out of the way, then I'll go to Rob, and then I'm gonna let. Jim and Dave have have the last words of the show. Uh, my parting shots, we have two of them. Uh, I have two of them. Trev Alberts, he said 37,000 tickets have been sold so far for the April 9th spring game. Uh, he has sent out invites to Husker greats like Sue and Zach Taylor, and it'll be your first chance to see all the new additions that we've talked about tonight. So uh, we kind of threw out the uh, buy your tickets now, Redcasters. Go to Huskers.com, get those tickets purchased. And Rob is coming down for it. Uh, I think we're going to try to do some kind of redcast uh, tailgate or something. So be paying attention to future shows, episodes, and we'll we'll get some of the info out on that. But uh, uh, I can't say enough about Trevor. My God, we've gone an hour and a half, guys. And we, I, the other tangents we could have gone in. And I know the thoughts I've had. You and Dave and Jim and I have a whole side DM that's been going on for months. And some of the best football talk goes on in there. But Trev and – Trev's got his fingers on a lot of things here, and I think he's the right guy for the job. My second parking shot, uh, Boulevard Brewing, is honoring Alex Gordon's 14-year career with a limited edition beer, Gordon's Gordo's Golden Ale. A portion of the proceeds will be donated to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation for Childhood Cancer. Royals Charities will match the Boulevard's donation. Rob, I think, did you mention something about, the, you know, someone from uh, Alex's Lemonade Stand? I do. So, um, and 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 Dave, if, if uh, Redcast Dave was here, he'd be making fun of me for name dropping, but I think this is a name worth dropping. Um, a good friend of mine from Petaluma, 
uh, out in California. Heather Banizak is is um, the promotion. I believe she's like the special promotion promotions coordinator for um, Alex Lemonade Stand. She lost a, a son to childhood cancer uh, just a few years ago. They moved from California out to Kansas City so that she could be a part of that foundation. Um, and if Banizak sounds familiar. Um, her husband played football at Fresno State and um, her father-in-law was a uh, lineman for the San Francisco 49ers back in the day. And so there's that, there's that Rob name drop, but um, she's really big on it. She's going to be sending me some more information about uh, ways that we can help as the red cast, not just, uh, just for buying, uh, the beer that's going to be donated for Alex Gordon, but the red cast itself too, we'll, we'll probably be putting something together here in the near future. Um, yep. cause I, you know, that uh, they're friends of mine. They lost their son. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I see the way Husker nation comes together for people in need and that's, it's amazing. So hopefully we can do something to help them out as well here on the red cast. Uh, Rob, parting shots. Um, well, first off, I noticed a lot of people on here commenting and, um, you know, liking our page on Facebook. Do me a favor, drop into uh, Redcast DMs, whether it's on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and send us a message. And if you want to shoot me your address, I'll mail you some Redcast stickers. Um, it's all the merch I got to wear uh, right now, but you know, at least we'll have you on our on our fun mailing list. So if we do start sending stuff out uh, with our with our promotions. Um, so if you want a Redcast sticker, hit me up. Um, if you want to wait until I'm out at the spring game and you want to come meet me at wherever, whatever event that we are going to be doing, I'd be happy to bring the stickers then too, which I do plan on doing. Um, I want to thank Jim and Dave for coming out here and, uh, chatting with us this week too. Cause that's, that's awesome. Um, I, I love to put, uh, faces to the Twitter name. Um, and, and Dave, you actually look semi-normal. So that's, that's, good, <laughs> that's not always the case, right? You know, um, but, uh, you know, and Jim, I don't know if you're going to be in uh, Lincoln again for the spring game this year, but let, let's do another. Uh, I will be. You know, yeah. yeah, let's let's do another sit down there at the end of that. Uh, yeah, we did know. a sit down last year after the spring game. It was Rob and Jim and I uh, from uh, Redcast uh, headquarters there at the embassy. So uh, that's we'll, we'll be we'll again this year. Again, and now we'll have this great platform to be able to do it. Um, and Rob, uh, you know, to your point about that you got the stickers, uh, I'm sporting. Uh, one of our kind of prototypes for some shirts that we're kind of working on. Again, that should be some stuff that should be coming out in the, the future episodes. And I want to throw a plug into follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we're just trying to build those numbers up. We're trying to get as many uh, videos out there. If you watched last week's stuff on YouTube, you'll notice that we had the full length uh, uh, show and then we even split it into segments. And I'll see what this show here, we'll have it out there. It's, I mean, my goodness, an hour and 40 minutes, but I think I can split this probably into a couple of segments as well too. So for people that want to kind of consume their content at different lengths there. Um, all right, Jim. Yeah, so I have two parting shots. I think one, um, obviously Redcast 2.0 has been a huge success. And I, I want to thank both Rob and, and Honky for having me on here and, and, and playing warm-up band to uh, the Husk guys. But <laughs> I do have some news for Husk guys. I um, I paid a large sum of money for the followers of the now defunct <laughs> other fan that is no longer on Twitter. So I'm about to uh, – yeah, I'm about to be the largest uh, Husker fan account on the Twitter. <laughs> no. Um, no, thank you. I'm excited. I think, you know, I, you know, playing off the 2.0 theme, I, I think 
we see a, a frost 2.0 and you know again it's it's april or i'm sorry it's march 1st um but i like the signs i like what he's been doing and and let's see how it rolls into uh to next year so it's awesome all right dave well i think party shot I, I i would echo that i appreciate you guys having us on i think it's fun uh love chopping it up um but parting shot is like i think where we started like, have some fun with this right i think like this is the best time of year right like the off season is way better than the end season have some fun with it you know enjoy enjoy the momentum ride the wave and try to you know build up build back up that passion i think for nebraska football because i think we're going to need it in the fall so you know it's oscar nation let's have some fun in the spring and let's see where it happens absolutely keep the faith redcasters thank you so much dave from husk guys jim in minnesota follow them on twitter if you're not already and we'll catch you next time on the Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Yeah. Go Big Red. A Huda Media Production.